are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 145. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Hello, I'm Miles Spoon-Glockman. And we are back tonight. Um, Miles, before we get into what we're going to be talking about tonight, we really should share with our listeners and refresh your mind as to what the trivia is going to be. Yes. Because uh, we haven't done that. We didn't do that the last show, but it's always important to put it in because they have until August 7th to answer this prize and win a piece of Kate Vernon. Right. She signed it herself, so right. I'm sure her DNA is still on it, and yep, you could probably yep. clone your own Kate Vernon. Yeah, right, right. And who doesn't want to do that? Exactly. Uh, a much younger Kate Vernon, for that matter, maybe. Oh, but, uh, uh, what question do they need to answer to own Kate Vernon? Um, in uh, Falling Skies Season 1, Episode The Armory, having captured Tom and the others during the raid on the, the Armory, John Pope gives Tom this nickname. What's that nickname? Right. And they have to include the code word, which is found in the first couple minutes of the show, and it is? Skitter. Yep. So include that. Email it to us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com or call us at 1-888-508-4343. Did I that right? Sounds right. Um, Well, tonight we are really bringing you an interview. This is actually a session that we recorded at Farpoint 2012. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring this to you a long time ago, but we had so many interviews. We've been very busy with interviews, it seems like. Right. Um, but this is one that – this is a panel that you, Steve Wilson mm-hmm. from Farpoint, and I did at Farpoint 2012 called The Art of the Celebrity Interview. Right. And some of the, t- the tips, the tricks that we learned in interviewing celebrities. So it's going to be a little bit off the beaten path. But I've been kind of holding on to it. It's something that I really did want to share with you guys, our listeners, some of the things that we think about that we go through, some of our mm-hmm. experiences and some experience of other people. Right. So, I mean, if you're thinking – if you're a podcaster or if you're thinking about podcasting, maybe interviewing or blogging, celebrity. blogging maybe. Blogging maybe. Um, maybe, you know, so, something Scott and I have learned over the last couple of years and, and, and some other podcasters, uh, maybe that could be a help to you. Yeah, and we're still learning. We're still, Absolutely. We'll always we, be learning. Yeah, we'll always be learning. But mm-hmm. but this is – we just call it the art. It's just – it was a panel that we did, so we hope you enjoy this panel. And again, if you get a chance, come out to Farpoint next year. Oh, yeah. Lee Ironburn's going to be there. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. So, <laughs> all right. Well, enjoy. Well, I guess we should introduce ourselves. And, and sure, we're we recording. Can get yeah, we're recording. So. Yeah, so. Let's go around. Why don't you get us started? I'll, I'll, I'll start ahead. off. I'm Steve Wilson. I do the Prometheus Radio Theater podcast, and I'm the uh, publisher for Firebringer Press, and I'm 
operations manager for Farpoint, which is the con where we're recording this. Right, so he, he runs the con, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah pretty much holds and it my together. wife is my, is my co-manager. Yeah. yeah, we're in charge of the holds whole... Holds it together with duct tape sure and everything. Making sure it happens. <laughs> yeah. holds it all together. Yeah. Good, Miles? Uh, I'm Miles McLaughlin. I'm one half of uh, the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Yep, and I'm Scott Herzog, the other half. And we also have Wayne. Wayne, do you want to introduce yourself as well? Please introduce yourself. the creator of the Wayne's Comics Weekly Podcast. Every Sunday is my podcast day. Me and my computer get very close to each other all day. (laughs) Awesome. Basically. So I do that every week. And we are doing the art of the celebrity interview, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, So I have a few questions. I figure we can can kind of just take it as we go. Uh, I thought maybe we all start at the beginning. How How do you guys go about... Landing interviews. Let's start. Let's start there before we get into the actual interview itself, because there's so many ways to kind of get interviews. Uh, Steve, how have you started? Uh, how, how do you typically acquire your interviews for your podcast when you do that? Well, I, I have this insidious way of, of since I run a convention, right. I, <laughs> <laughs> it helps, <laughs> um, and and I find that even even people that don't want to do too many interviews or might not want to do any interviews, but if you say, but could the could the convention interview you? Um, you know, that, that that does help. That's one way. Um, my my first interview um, was really bizarre. I was on assignment from Starlog and um, I didn't know the guy. They didn't give me any contact information. They didn't you know, and they said, you know, track him down. He's gonna be at Shoreleave, which is in your town. Go go get an interview with him. And I spent the whole weekend asking the committee and asking the committee and asking the committee. And, and they, you know, they're running a con. They don't care about somebody who wants to interview the guest for Starlog. So um, I finally, uh, there's, a, there's a gentleman in fandom, very dear friend of mine, Mark B. Lee, uh, who has been involved with, if there's a big celebrity con out there, Mark is going to be there. Mark is just always around the big names. And... Um, even then, and this was 25 years ago, 24 years ago, uh, Mark uh, Mark was the was the guy that could get you in, and so I finally just said, Mark, can you get me in with, it was Jonathan Frakes, can you get me in with Frakes? And he arranged an interview in a back office and then <laughs> nice. <laughs> on the closed management floor. So that was my most difficult one, and then after that, I, I realized, okay, if you get an assignment, get the contact info, get the contact early don't wait till the convention to, right you know because right. that's that's insane and and looking back that was a terrible terrible thing to do to shore leave because um i know now you know you don't want people interviewing your guests that you haven't scheduled as you guys know right. we schedule right. you we're very we try to be very on top of it but unfortunately a lot of cons don't don't do that they don't they don't stay on top of, uh, you know but uh, I, I think Farpoint and Shore Leave have learned over the years okay yeah we, we gotta we gotta be ready because these requests right. are gonna come right absolutely do you really understand podcasters I mean who we are and what we want and, and, and what we're trying to do because I guess because I had the same experience when I went to Shore Leave I was trying to interview Edward James Olsen and they told me the thing to do is keep going back to his handler all weekend long and I did that and when the weekend was over I had nothing and I, and because he wanted to go watch, it was a big soccer, 
oh, yeah. going on. And he would do nothing except the soccer championship. And so I walked away with absolutely nothing. And just like, you know, I didn't know Mark at that point was there. Or, you know, Mark actually wasn't there that weekend. Yeah. So now, I, if you told me, I do know who could have gotten you in, in, in with Eddie. But <laughs> his handler should do that. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing. It's, it's, um, we, we do have to know to, to contact early. And, um, and, and you hope the convention has a, a, a policy in place. And you know, it's a good question. Do the, does the con understand podcasting? Farpoint does. Balticon does. A lot of the more literary conventions definitely do. Yeah. So you know, I think for us, it's been a lot of it's just making sure you contact early, and then uh-huh. then you know, drop after you set up, saying yes, we can come in there as press. Now let's say line up the interviews and be in contact with the people you know early on, and not popping in. We we do some interviews where we just pop in. I know, like. For example, Trisha Helfer at Shore Leave last year, that was an unscheduled interview, mm-hmm. but we were told that if we get there and talk to our handler on Friday that we can, might be able to schedule something the weekend, and we did that. Right. And so some of it is done a little bit in the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a con end of things. I know for us as well, one of the things that we have done is with Twitter and Facebook, celebrities become much more accessible now that sure. they're on Twitter. And if you can schedule the interviews through them, they will say, for example, Robin Reese... Um, from from Sanctuary, mm-hmm. it's going to be at Shore Leave this year. But we scheduled an interview with him by a Twitter and said, "Hey, can we interview you?" And they said, "Yeah, please contact my publicist, also on Twitter." Mm-hmm. And we arranged it. Yeah. Um, and we've learned that you can ask anyone for an interview, and the worst they can do is say no. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, they can say no. We don't want to do it. Uh, we we did um, who was it we ran to Facebook Battlestar guy oh Richard, Hatch. Richard Hatch yeah that's um, right oh Richard I ran to Richard he, hey, he's a phenomenal guy yeah, yeah absolutely he's, I'm friends with him on Facebook and I just I just sent him an email and just put it out there and we yeah. just worked it out yeah yeah I, I will say you guys so far as for the Farpoint experience you guys do it right because not only do you contact us in advance and say hey can I interview your guest. Um, but you offer us publicity, and you know we, we did the interview. Yeah, we interviewed the you, um, and um, that's that's the right way to do it is to um, is to is to ask in advance and be courteous. Because the thing to remember is with celebrity guests, if you're interviewing at a con, the con is paying for that celebrity's right. time, so you need to be very respectful of that. And if you're interviewing, if you're interviewing them, they are coming to the con to make to really make money off of signings. And if exactly. They, if, if they give you time. That is time away from them signing. That is a gift. Yeah. And I always try to keep that in mind when I, when I interview people, that this is a gift. And, again, I think we, we do, with, I know with, with you guys, with, with Farpoint and with Shore Leave, is we always, afterwards, there's thank yous, there's that follow-up, there's links to the mm-hmm. podcasts we do, and it's just making sure that everyone is in the loop. And it just, it's, good, it's good blood. It's, yeah. it's, good, it's good, good things there. Now, I know that uh, with comics, how have you typically, Wayne, uh, landed interviews for your comics? Now, you've gotten your foot in the door, and I know yeah. that has helped. Yeah. Well, what what's I've discovered is a lot. I, I've known people who get interviews with people, and they tend to do written ones, written Q&As. And what I've done is sometimes followed up with them. And I, I learned a lot, like with Phil Hester, who, who writes, uh, works with Kevin Smith, writes The Bionic Man right now with Kevin Smith. And it's the thing you need to do is go to these people through the website. Now, one of the things that's happened to me over the years is the very first interview I did was at the Baltimore Comic Con with the guy, uh, the guy who does Mouse Guard, which I, a book I absolutely love. I, in the, I, I was walking around trying to get interviews, and I couldn't get any. And I walked to him, David Peterson, and I said, David, I'd like to interview you sometime. Let's do it now. 
and I had my little <laughs> microphone with me, and of course I had to, in the middle of the place, sit there and kind of record him in between. You know, I didn't want to take away from money. Somebody would come up and want to pay him for a, a drawing, and he would autograph it, and I'd, I'd turn it off while he was talking to that person, and I would get back to it. But I, I've gotten away from the notion of doing things at cons because, it, number one, it's very difficult to schedule. Number two, if you're at like Baltimore Comic Con or something like that, you've got the hubbub in the background, mm -hmm. which makes it mm -hmm. a little difficult to hear what the person's yeah. saying. So I've actually, I don't do much interviewing during the conventions. I actually schedule, and then I call them through Skype yeah. later on. Mm -hmm. So I, I like, like this time, I've got my stuff with me. I, I, the guy that I do the one podcast with wants me to get a hold of somebody. He wants me to talk to Peter David, so I'm going to try to schedule that. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I've, I've gotten away from doing this at, at, at con just because there's so much busy and I feel guilty taking away from their time and yeah. their money. You know, so. you, you mentioned something that's very important. Some of the some of the guests that we do interview on our show, we do on the floor and, you know, at their tables and being respectful that when people come up, allowing them to break into the interview, it's simple to go in back and edit that stuff right. out. Yep. Right. And, it, and really, I know that you, you mentioned not liking the con noise. One of the things I think is beautiful about interviewing at the con is you do get the live con noise. People, there's a lot of our listeners that can't get to cons, mm -hmm. and you give them part of that experience. Um, we were, who were we interviewing? Uh, Rachel Latramore kind of interviewed. Was it Picardo? Yeah. It was Picardo, right? Yeah. So <laughs> Rachel Latramore comes in and inter interrupts the interview. Mm -hmm. We left that in. Because it's it's just it's beautiful. It's uh, you get people that experience of you know the accessibility of the guests. You mm -hmm. just kind of capture that, and I kind of like that. It's funny you say that because there are multiple ways of doing the right. same thing. Yep. You know, like I said, I, I just I, I did David Peterson's one, and I, I I just hated the the hubbub in the background. I, I would much rather yeah. hear because his voice sort of blended into some of the background sometimes, yeah. so I had trouble hearing him. But I, I think that there are. It's like for a while I did my my podcast. In stereo, I would interview people, and I interviewed over Skype. That one of the free plugins you get actually records it in stereo. Your voice comes out of one speaker, and the mm -hmm. other person's mm -hmm. comes out of the other. Now, I like that, and I did that for quite a long, for like basically a year. I did that, except I got a lot of complaints from people who didn't have stereo; they could only hear one part of the conversation. Yeah. So now I, I do it all joined together. Yeah. But I, I, there's so many different ways to do the same thing, and, and a podcast is sort of an expression of your personality. Yeah. So there's all these different ways. For those of you that just joined us, Steve Wilson over here, of course, who holds Farpoint together, runs Prometheus Radio Theater and Firebringer Press. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, Miles P. McLaughlin, who's part of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. On the other half of that, Scott Hertzog and Wayne Hall from the Wayne Comic Podcast. I uh, we have right there. So we're talking about the art of the celebrity interview, and um, it's kind of where we're at. I think the other thing that becomes really important is going into an interview prepared. Mm -hmm. I've sat I've sat on panels with other interviews and watched interviews done when people don't aren't prepared. And it feels like you just spin your wheels. And there's something going in there, again, especially at the cons when you have a limited time, going in with a plan. And, it's, and if you don't know the guests, because, you know, we are limited in watching the shows that we do sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, doing a little bit of research helps. Uh, Miles, do you want to comment on that? Sure. Um, I'll just use, for example, we... we uh, Kristen Bowers here. We may or may not get a chance to interview her, but I spent. And I, I don't know. I don't watch True Blood, but I looked at her IMDb page. I went to Wikipedia. I just to learn about the show a little bit, learn about her character, uh, try to learn what I can about her. So going in, I sound as intelligent as possible, and so 
I, I've seen interviews with a guest, um, or, or, or the interviewer doesn't have a clue of who, the, who these people are, and you can tell. And, and you don't want you, know, you don't want that. Um, it's, it's it's disrespectful to the guests, and you're, it just it's not it's going to be a, a very flat interview. Uh, I saw an interview. Uh, this this was a Star Trek Next Generations where they put out the first Contact movie. A bunch of them were interviewed by the, these these uh, VJs from MTV England, and these people didn't have a clue about Star Trek Next Generation. And the, the, you know the actors had to kind of inform what's going on. You don't want that. I mean, you want Know what? The more you know going in, the better. I mean, even if you don't know the show, um, being informed. Yeah, really. Go ahead. How much of your interviews, in your experience, have been the result of uh, prepared questions, and how much have come out of the conversation that occurs after? The That's a great question. For those of you who couldn't hear it, in the, we're recording this. Um, you know, he asked, you know, how much of the interviews that we do comes from being prepared? How much comes from just interacting with the uh, the guests themselves? Would you want to answer that a little bit? Uh, on average, 50-50. Uh, it definitely depends on the guests. Some guests are just going to follow right down the line mm-hmm. of your questions and give fairly brief answers. Um, and then you'll have a session that will just turn into um, a, a, a chat. You right. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, I've, I've had a couple of you know, inter- interviews that were my favorites. I spent two hours sitting talking to a celebrity and... 15 minutes of it went into the article I wrote because uh, you know we just had we just had a, a great time talking about everything. Yeah. I think of our you interviewed Richard Hatch. If you, inter- if you ever interview Richard Hatch, the guy can talk. Oh yeah. All you, all you do is give him a question and he goes. And I think some of those interviews are some of my favorite because you you get them going. You kind of step out of the picture and you just let them talk. You learn so much more. Than some of the questions that I have, and my questions I like because you know they're they're genre related, they're they're, they're focused on the things I'm interested in. But I learn a lot about the people. Mm-hmm. Edward James almost same thing. I learn a lot about the individual through the questions, through their own input into it. An important rule that that that, that brings up: give them a chance to talk. Absolutely, I have seen interviewers that don't give the yeah, that chance. Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a question. That, um, my, my husband, he does fast-forward contemporary science fiction, the fantasy cable access show, and he's kind of gone through the thing where you have a guest that will give you an experience that comes out of the conversation that you really didn't expect. Um, Robert Jordan, um, mm-hmm. interviewed many years ago, came out with a story about his time in Vietnam uh, that just kind of left us with uh, our jaws dropped. But I think it's really difficult when you get someone who, if you give them a question, they may give you a one-word answer back. So as interviewers, how do you process that in your brain? How does, like, oh, my God, what do I do now? How do you um, sort of work around, this is this person's personality. Um, how am I going to keep it flowing? How am I going to show respect to them? How are we going to uh, engage our, our listeners? You know, I think this plays into doing your homework, and we, we always go into interviews with, a lot more questions than we can cover, or at least as many questions as we think in the time we have allotted. And if we use them all, great. If we don't, or if the interview goes longer, that's great too. But we at least want to be able to give them. For us, we're shooting for about for the podcast about fifteen to twenty minutes. Um, and we've had interviews go as long as an hour. I think Richard Hatch was forty-five minutes. Edward Diesel mm-hmm. was forty-five minutes. And we were planning on those being fifteen, twenty-minute interviews. And then we have interviews that we really struggle to get the fifteen minutes 
by they give us pretty short and concise interviews. We love the fact that we've interviewed them, but they aren't the greatest interviewers. They don't give a lot, and you just kind of have to roll with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and that. Go ahead, Wayne. Well, I, there was an interview that the guy I do my podcast, one of, one of the podcasts I do, I do two of them. He was interviewing Lance Henriksen from Fringe. And apparently Mr. Henriksen did not want to do the interview. And so what happened was every answer was was a one-word answer. Do you like working on the show? Yes. And, you know, you, you start to feel the beads of sweat. Even in listening to it, you feel the beads of sweat start to go. And so what my friend started to do was not asking him yes, no questions. You've yeah. got to start asking him questions that requires an answer. Yeah. You know, you've got to, you can't just say yes. And what he started doing is saying, you know, how do you approach acting? What kind of things do you do to make it believable? Yeah. You can't say yes or no to that. He's got to answer to it. And, but it's still, even that, it, it was a whole 10 minute long interview that felt like an hour. You know, I, I just, I, as I was listening to it, when it was done, I just, I started to get this really, my stomach started to get. Because yeah. I know what it's like to ask that kind of stuff. And the ten-minute interviews are really rough, and that's and I understand that's a lot of what we offer to mm-hmm. to the podcasters and and the, and the press here at the con. And those are rough if you don't have any chance to establish that you just met this person. You have no chance to establish that rapport with them in advance or or chat with them a little bit. It's a lot harder. I think one of the great things about the cons, I think Shore Leave and Farpoint, is that the guests are typically here to meet the fans. And it's considered, and like, so we obviously are, are fans of the genre, not just press or anything like that. In fact, when, I'm, when we talked briefly before we did this, you know, I said, well, what are we going to talk about? He goes, well, how to not drop your jaw when you meet the guest, right? Because the reality is we, we, are, we are absolute fans of genre, and, and we're, we're fans of them, but we want to be professional. And you, you kind of stand and say, I'm going to be professional about... You know, working with them and talking to them and treating them with respect, and so even though we're absolute fans and we are delighted to be there, yeah, we want to overwhelm them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Have you ever had one where it was just this was the one you've been dreaming about since the time you said I'm going to start a podcast, and you just couldn't get past that the rush, and it got in the way of you doing what you wanted to do as a professional? <laughs> I, you know, I, Go ahead, Wayne. I, I, yesterday, I, I tell them I interviewed a guy by the name of Jeff Lemire who does a comic by, it's called Animal Man. He also does another one called Sweet Tooth, and, and he's taking over Justice League Dark, which is big in D.C. And I have to say, before the uh, the interview, I was all very nervous, you know. this I wanted this guy. I fought to get to talk to this guy, and now finally I'm going to get, and they said, you only got 15 to 20 minutes. I said, okay, okay, I've got to do it right. I, you know, I'll do the stuff right. And when I started talking with him, I, I don't look at them as interviews as much as conversations. I'll, I'll sometimes, I, we talked about being prepared. He had just written for Valentine's Day on their blog, on DC Comics' blog, about the family in Animal Man. And so what I did was I said, look, I said, I, would you elaborate a little more on what you said here and here? But I was so nervous and I was so <laughs> interested in it yeah. that when it was all done, I was like, oh, oh. You know, it was all recorded. Now, I'm also a heavy editor. I will go back through, especially with people who have impediments and stuff, I want to make them sound as good as they can possibly yeah. sound. So I will go through and edit and edit and edit, and I'll have a 20-minute interview. It'll take me two or three hours to edit that, you know, down into where it should be, you know. Steve, do you want to comment on that as well? I mean, as far as, was there any guest that you interviewed that you said, I can't believe I'm sitting down with this guy and talking to him? Um, I've yeah. definitely had that feeling with a guest. It's never overwhelmed me in an interview because I think... Um, 
because I've done the conventions, because I, I, I do stage work, I, I kind of have the, I put on the jacket, you know, this is, this is the job, this is the persona, and so it doesn't stop me. Um, I did absolutely, and I think this is hilarious, because I've, I've worked with producers and directors and, and big name actors, and I've never missed a beat talking to any of them, um, but I walked up to a comics writer from 35 years ago who was my favorite comics writer just to get him to sign a book, and I babbled. I have no idea what the hell I said. I think I compared him to God. <laughs> it was Steve Englehart. Yeah, and, and I, really nice guy. He was very nice, but um, I was just like, I thought you were going to say Chris Claremont. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I like Chris is great, but he did. I've met Chris. He didn't do that to me. But uh, but Steve, I was just like, okay, I've got there's people in line behind me. I've got to tell this man how much he means to me. And and it was and I walked away with a friend and I said, how badly did I just embarrass myself? He said, yeah, all right. <laughs> Miles, how about you? Um, came very close with. Um, Trisha Hell for last time I sure leave. I mean, <laughs> not with the interview, but just getting a picture with her. I mean, um, I, 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 you know. Our joke was I sabotaged the camera so we could stand there a little bit longer with our arms around Trisha Hell for right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, I just thought, yeah, I can't, you know, I, I don't think I overwhelmed her by me. I think I was just like, I probably said less than I would have normally if I did just, I don't know. For some reason, I just felt overwhelmed by her. I mean, uh, she's, you know, I felt, I mean, she not only is she a beautiful woman on pictures and film, but in you know in person, she just you know wow. I mean, uh, right. so yeah. It's like, and then we have to interview her tomorrow. I'm gonna look like an idiot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think for me, um, it's never as Steve said. It's never impeded my interview. Um, I, it's never kept me from doing a good interview with them, even though I've been fans. I think probably Edward James. He's such an icon. Mm-hmm. You know, when you actually sit down. Uh, but he's so he's so giving, and uh, when he shares, he's one of these that again you prepare for ten fifteen minutes, and he gives you much more than that, uh, and you're just kind of in awe in what he says. Um, but again, not really impeding the interview. I don't think we've ever really kept us from the interview. We had some fun interviews. We had we interviewed. Remember when we interviewed the puppet master from yes. Paris? Dave, Miles, Dave Lawrence. Yeah. What did you call him? I, I, I might have called him Dave, and I don't think he either. He was just trying to rattle my cage, yeah. which I suspect he was. I think he was just trying to have some fun with me, but he scared the hell out of me. He said, yeah. did you call me Dave? I mean, I think it's, you know, yeah. he goes by David. And, uh, and that does bring up a good, good point. If you interview people and you aren't sure of the pronunciation, okay. it's important to get that ahead of time. I mean, that's, that's like a no-brainer, you know, and, uh, you know, or what they want to be called. Yes, you know, I mean, uh, sure. Richard Hatch, nicest guy in the world, but we asked, you know, do, do you go by Rich? He goes, no, Richard. So we call, yeah. we'll make sure we called him Richard, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that rattled, that rattled my cage a little. So sometimes you have to be prepared for that, and, you know, it's you just roll with it. Go ahead. This, in this audience, this is not a video. This right. Is a, so when you go to do a celebrity interview, what equipment are you taking? That's a great question. It actually leads into what I uh, wanted to talk about next anyways. Okay. Is I think the equipment that we uh, use, it, it really depends whether we're doing it live. Wayne, for example, loves doing podcasts just over the phone or Skype. You get a clearer signal with those. And obviously, you aren't dealing with con noise. And, um, and so we do 
part of an interview is that way. Do you do any interviews on Skype, or is most of yours I've live? I've done interviews on Skype, but most of mine have been in a, in, a, in a closed room, you know, usually at a convention, and I just, I set up a small, um, I actually don't carry one of the small portables, but I have like a mixing board that big and a, and a, a, a standard Shure microphone, and they work very well, yeah. and uh, we get good, very good sound quality. And, yeah. so. and it's interesting, when I record, I get a very, I, I bought a very inexpensive uh, memo recorder, and I bought a stereo mic to go with it. And you know, the, the amazing thing is it's not very, it, it's really inexpensive, and yet I get excellent sound out of it. It doesn't have to, you know, I see those and I go, oh my gosh, I wish I could afford something like that. <laughs> I get these little bitsy, it, it's literally like yay big and yay wide, the, the recorder. But I can still plug it into my computer, I can download the stuff off of it. So you don't necessarily have to spend a lot of money to get good sound. No. You know, and, you know even, the, even if you have a phone, like an iPhone, the iPhones do a pretty good job with recording. I'm not recording with this now, but um, we interviewed Kate Vernon this morning. And, you know, one of the things we did when we interviewed her is we had three recorders running. And we do that because our very first interview, Miles remembers this, at Shortly, we sat down with Vanessa Angel. And we sat down to interview her. And halfway through the interview, our, our recorder crapped out. Oh no! We lost. Yeah. We lost the interview because of it, and we only had one going. So we often want multiple recorders just for the fact that number one, it gives me an option if I listen to one and I don't like the quality of it, um, I can go to the second one. And two, if I lose something because it's happened where I've lost interviews, parts of them that I have something to fall back on. So typically, like. When the Sci-Fi Donner podcast goes to interview someone, we have these two recorders when we're recording live, um, and maybe my iPhone recording as well. Um, and at home, we're running with we're running with. I'm actually using a mixer with some high high PR40s at home, and then um, we're using Skype when we're interviewing over the phone. Typically, or they're calling in through Skype, but it's through Skype. Typically, we do the interviews. Um, and the only complication we have with that is we interviewed Miracle Laurie, I guess it's surely two or three years ago. She is from Dollhouse, the TV show Dollhouse, November she played, uh, or Melly. And we'd interviewed her there. And then when the show got canceled, we had lined up another interview just to get her reflections on it around Christmas time. And we were bringing, we were, us two were hosting it. We were bringing in a third podcaster to also ask questions. And Skype was not friendly with us. And it really, we ended up dropping the other podcaster because we wanted the interview. And she asked questions through Twitter, and we asked the questions. But you kind of have to, there's nothing worse than having the technology go bad when you're trying mm-hmm. to do an interview. And PC it or does. Mac? Mac. Mac. PC. Yeah, yeah. No, we're all, we're, although I'm going to tell you, we do not record into a Mac. I, our system is set up, and I don't know how you do it, but we have our microphones. I have the I have the Macs being used to get record Skype. It goes into my mixer and it's straight into this thing, which records it. I then bump it into the Mac to edit, but I'm not recording to a Mac. I'm doing all the editing on my Mac. I find Mac far more reliable for 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 the sound equipment. It's far less. I, I have I have um, I, I record into a Windows uh, PC as well when I'm doing my studio sessions um, because that's just how I started. But um, I just find Mac a lot less likely to say, oh, I'm sorry, my sound drivers have decided not to work today. <laughs> um, that and true? in fact, I, I had, at one point, I was doing a Skype interview, and I had uh, my Windows desktop, my Windows laptop, and neither one of them wanted to talk to Skype that day. And I finally said, well, let me try one last thing. I grabbed my iPad, I downloaded Skype, we did the whole interview on my iPad, and the sound quality was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing, because <laughs> I, I talked to people, through one guy through his iPad, 
and he was and, and the sound was excellent. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised. Now, one thing we talked about Skype. I, the, the other podcast I do is called SFP Now. It's Sci-Fi Pulse, is what it stands for. And the guy that I, the, the main host is somebody I've never actually been in the same room with. He lives in the UK, and he and I have never been face to face. We we see, talk to each other through Skype. You can do that video conferencing. But the cool thing about it is, it was every once a week we schedule a time, we get together, we we we, we call each other through Skype and and record, and that's how we've been doing it for a couple of years. And Skype, of course, if, if you don't know Skype, you can call another Skype person anywhere in the world for free, mm-hmm. right? which is a wonderful. Oh my gosh! I mean, I think all the money that I'd have to pay to go through the. Well, I have a nephew in Japan right now that I, I get to Skype. talk to pretty regularly. That never would have happened ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. pre-Skype, definitely not. It's just amazing. Go ahead. Question about the, the content of the interviews, because I mean, some of these people have done hundreds of interviews. I mean, when you're prepping to interview somebody, do you kind of look through interviews they've done so that your questions can be kind of unique? I mean, we we came in this morning and right when we walked in, Michael Hogan was sitting right there. And there was nobody around. And we had him to ourselves for like 15 minutes. And I just told him, I said, you know, I said, I, I haven't watched a lot of interviews with you, but i got to ask you this. Without skipping a beat, I mean, he gave us just undivided attention. But I can't help but feel sometimes if they're being interviewed and they get asked, well, you know, how did you feel about becoming this character? It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, I've answered this question so right. many times. So how do you make your... You know, your question's unique so that your listeners will be seeing something new, not just a rehash of, of every bonus feature they've ever seen. That's a great question. Wayne, go ahead. Since you're well, I, I, I'm, this is a big thing to me. I, you talked about research. One of the things I, I, I want desperately to do is not get pat answers. I, there was a, a, an actor by the name of Dave Fuscio who I had to interview, and I, I read three or four interviews that he had done, and so I, I had a sense of what the answers would be to some of the questions, and he started <coughs> giving me the same answers I had read before. And I, and so what I did immediately was I changed gears, and I went into a question, and I know I asked a big question because he had to think about it. There was this pause. I asked him the question, what about this, that, and the other? I mean, what, I asked him, what's it like to play a bad guy? I mean, do you prefer bad guys versus good guys? And the interesting thing was nobody ever asked him that. And there was this long pause as he thought about an answer. And then he answered that finally, and then I asked him another question he'd never been asked. And there was another long pause. And when he got to the end of the interview over the phone, he says, you know, you ask good questions, he says. He says, nobody's ever asked me that stuff before. Because if, if, if you've read answers that you already know, what's the, why would anybody want to listen to your podcast if we already know those answers? So my feeling is I'm trying to find something that no one's ever asked them before. Because I want to know these things. I, I'm an inquisitive guy. I can't help but I want to know. And that means doing your homework. Yep. Yeah, it as does. You said, as you, you were talking you gotta, about. You've got to track that down and find and find what else have they done. And, and yeah. You guys are all established casters. I mean, you, you have a, a, an audience that looks for, for what, you, what you're putting out. Mm-hmm. And you've done it for, for some time. Uh, have you seen anything in terms have you seen a change in terms of the ability to get the interviews for a podcast and or the you know the willingness to include you in the media mix on the exposure for these celebrities has it improved has it become more part of their norm than it was at the beginning when casting was just starting out and you had to start explaining to eight to publicists what exactly you were doing well i don't know if the view i'm, I'm certainly podcasts have been around for we podcasted what two three years ago we started and 
certainly in that time, more people are familiar with podcasts. But I think what also has helped is that the more interviews you do, you begin to establish yourself. When you ask, when you, for example, request an interview, you send an email out, you say, well, I've interviewed, you know, Edward James. You start throwing names around, suddenly there's some credibility to what you do. Um, you know, if you win any awards, we were we were a Parsec finalist last year. That obviously gives some credibility to to you as far as value in the community. Um, and plus, the other thing that helps is, uh, if, especially coming back to the con year after year, a lot of the handlers, the con folks know you. You become a little bit more reliable. You're established. You aren't some new kid on the block anymore. And it does become easier just from the sheer fact that you've been doing it longer and that you... Again, I've established yourself with the interviews. You've been respectful to the guests, um, sensitive to the con, being willing to be flexible at the con if times change, and that happens. And um, and so I think there's a reputation that becomes established in this. There's, there's one thing to consider that, that is, and this is an obstacle. I do think it's getting better, that people are understanding it better. But one of the obstacles I've run into um, is actors who do understand podcasting understand oh, I'm going to do this interview, and it's going to be out there forever. Um, one actress asked me that question. She said, how, how long, when, when will this run? And I said, well, I'll release it next week. And she said, okay, and, and so it's on at a certain time. And I said, and I said no. I said, it's, it's a podcast on the Internet. It's archived. And she, when she got that, she said, this is going to be there forever. And I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, my God. <laughs> that was overwhelming to her. That and, you know, and, and the same with YouTube. and, every, and Now everything you've ever done it is forever. Um, that is that is kind of overwhelming to them, and um, so yeah, they're 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 very sensitive to that, to how it's going to get passed around. Is it going to affect my ability to get work? Yeah. Um, Especially comments about working conditions, other yeah. associates they work yeah. with that type of. Thing. They have. To Although honestly, careful. it's no really it's no different really than print. I mean, print is also around forever now. Because you right, but print. I think the thing traditionally, print is less likely to be to be circulated. It's not as easy as sending a link right. and saying. Yeah, right. Uh, we're talking to Erin Gray. She's very sensitive about doing video interviews that are podcast because you know she knows if she goes on, uh, you know, Ellen DeGeneres that there's lighting, there's makeup, and, and she's going to look. But as good as she can look. Yeah. And um, but if she's at a con on her own, she doesn't have a makeup crew, she doesn't have a lighting crew, and she says, "And if I go in and, and do that that video, and all due respect to you guys, I don't look my best." And you post it, and a casting agent happens to see it and says, "Well, I was going to use her for this role, but she looks like hell." <laughs> so, as she said, "My face is my career." So, all right, all right, very true. Wait, no, it's actually not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. Uh, the, uh, every time I interview somebody, the first thing I tell them uh, before I start to record is, whatever you do, don't get yourself or me in trouble. You know, don't reveal anything you're not supposed to reveal. Because when you're doing comics, they're, they're, they're dealing several months in advance. And the worst thing they can do if they want to lose a job is to spoil stuff. Same thing with actors. I, when I went out to San Diego... They had all, this year for the first time, they had executive producers sitting on the stages with the actors to make sure they did not reveal anything. And every time there was a character question, well, the executive producer will answer that. And basically said nothing. There's been a couple of films. 
just in the last couple of months where actors have made comments in interviews and have had to backtrack because they reveal stuff that the director did not want revealed. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And the thing is, once you do that, you're, you're, that's one of the two uh, verbotens that I, I don't I don't ask them I don't want spoilers from them number two I don't want anything about their personal lives I don't care if you're related to somebody else that, that would impress me don't tell me that yeah. I don't want anything about your personal life I, all I want to know is what your work is yeah. you know the other thing that's a part of that is we've had interviews where we've cut stuff out uh -huh. because after we've been interviewing and we got we got to a part in the interview and we just and they we recorded it and realized that they probably didn't want that interview, and we were sensitive to that. We aren't going to publish stuff that's not. That's that. another thing. I mean, we try. I mean, with our, we're not trying to get dirt. You know, we're you yes. know we, we we're trying to you know, we aren't the latest gossip magazine. Yeah, we're right. trying to celebrate this person in their career. If you know, if they're an up and comer, you know, you know, we we really try to you know, you know, pimp pimp them out if if they haven't been. Seen in a while, we, 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 we celebrate their past work. It's you know, we, we throw softballs when we're asking questions, you know. And you need to be sensitive too if an actor, or a producer, or director, whoever shares with you, oh yeah, that guy's a real asshole. Yeah. They're sharing something with you, it's a compliment to you. I think I, I, I you, you presented yourself professionally enough that I'll tell you this confidentially. Don't put it on the air. Yeah, yeah that happened. Do you go ahead in this respect? Do you allow them to listen to it before you put it out there? Um, we have not. No, we have not because they're aware of what they said. And um, I, I mean, the audio quality is more of a reflection on us as podcasters, and not so much on their interviewing skills. If I put out something that's not quality, um, it's that's a reflection on me. We will. The most I've been asked is, "Can you send me a CD?" Because they're, they're not comfortable with podcasts. Link. Can you send me a CD of or it? a link? link. Uh, I said a link. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Did you? Have a yeah, I, I was just saying it's, it's interesting. You're kind of, um, you are adopting whether you're aware of it or not traditional international standards for journalism mm -hmm. or for interviews. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no journalist worth the salt will let someone listen to it beforehand, but they really do try to make people seem articulate for the most part, unless they're public figures that are just, you know, they're politicians or things like that. But that's fair game. But people who are, you're just doing an interview with them and they're representing the work. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. In yeah. the way that you're behaving, you're making ethical decisions. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, you have I, to I actually have a journalism degree, so it's yeah, probably yeah. something yeah. pulling out of that. Yeah. yeah. But, for, I are in but for a new person who has no idea about what you just said, yeah. where would they find that? For me, it's some of it's just, and I, I realize maybe some people don't have this, but there's a common decency just in talking to people, relating to people that you just... Unfortunately, I, it's not too common. I, I know. I, I understand <laughs> that. I, I understand. <laughs> but for me, but for me I, I look at that and say, you know, would I want to be treated that way? I just kind of put myself in their shoes and that's just there. You're having a good year for what's an off the yeah. You know, just because you have a rapport with someone, and, and what's really, you know, what's really about the work? Is, uh, what you're representing. Have you guys ever asked ahead of time what you're going to ask them, or if someone if someone said to you, "Would you ask me these certain questions?" Or have you guys done that in your style? We have been asked to send questions ahead of time. It's been rare. Most people are okay with doing the, just doing the interview on the fly. Some will often, prior to this starting the interview, saying, right "If especially if we're in Skype, we will be." We'll, we'll say, okay, we're going to cover this material. Is there anything else you'd like to cover? Um, and, of course, some of that just comes up on the fly anyways. Mm -hmm. uh, but we typically are not asked to see questions. Every once in a while, yeah. 
and I forget, it's been a while, but mm-hmm. I remember some of the early interviews we did, people were, would ask questions. Well, I saw your styles, and you sang mine, but I didn't know if you guys ahead of time yeah. would say, look, I have a, you know, can I ask yeah. you this or that? By the way, the person you're hearing speaking, we are recording this, can I mention your name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Mark Gross from Autograph Magazine, has Autograph had, Magazine, he has interviewed tons. How many celebrities do you estimate? Eight or nine hundred. Yeah, just a small amount. So uh, it's, it's a, a genre, though sci-fi horror. Yeah. So um, so he. But he, I'm different style than you guys, right. podcasters. I do Absolutely. Down one on one, and I try to inter- I mean, I try to videotape everything. But and most of yours writ- is written interviews. You, you write yes, it. Up? Yeah, I write about it. Yeah. yeah so. Most of them are like that. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead, Wayne. Um, a couple things I want to mention. I know you've got something to say too. Um, for the very first time, I was told I'm, I'm interviewing a guy uh, next Friday, a guy by the name of Greg Hurwitz, who's a novelist who is writing a DC comic. He's taking over one of the Batman books, which, of course, I'm a Batman family. Bump, 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 doing already. But the truth of the matter is, I was told that somebody from DC wanted to listen while I was recording. And I said, all of DC can listen as far as I'm concerned. Everybody can listen, because I'd love for people to hear how I interview. I don't do... I know there are some podcasters out there, because I've heard them. There are what I call torpedo podcasters. They want desperately to get somebody to say something that will get them in trouble. But, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody whose work I don't like. Mm-hmm. They always, my, my friend who does the podcast with me always threatens to have me interview J. Michael Straczynski, who I don't like. <laughs> I don't like, number one, I don't like him personally, and number two, I don't like his work. So the first question I would ask him would be, when did you start believing your own press releases? And that would end the interview. <laughs> <laughs> Not with him. No. No, no. Oh, 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 that would be a dialogue. Oh, don't yeah, it would be. If you I like. didn't do it, I have other questions. Believe me, yeah. Yeah, they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that again, uh, you want to establish yourself as someone that you want to get other interviews. Mm-hmm. And so, the moment you begin torpedoing someone, or the moment <coughs> you begin, you know, airing stuff that may not be flattering to the person you're interviewing, you be, uh, people will check you out. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you uh, they, they want to see that you are real and. They will listen to past interviews. They may not listen to all of them, but they'll get a sampling for how you interview. And quite frankly, you want to be invited back. If it's a con, you want to be invited back the next year. Yeah, if it's, it's different for me because they want to see a copy of an older magazine, or right. a recent magazine, uh-huh. and they want to see me in there with said celebrity. Right. And uh, when I did Malcolm McDowell before I got to interview him, he was like, well, who do you got? And I said, what do you mean? He said, who have you interviewed? Show me some of the magazines. And... Then he gave me 25 minutes in his hotel suite. Uh, hmm. One of his agents just went, come on, let's do it. The, the best way to get an interview is to have other good ones you've done before. Absolutely. Because with the, the, yeah. the Greg Hurwitz, his uh, press agent, wanted me to send links of interviews that I had done. And she listened to them, and she told me, so I like the way that you interview. And I said, well, look, why would I want to talk to somebody I'm not interested in talking to, who's stuff I don't like? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. In a, some sense... You were talking interesting about journalistic things, but in some ways, we're actually publicists. I look at us as as we're out here. And I like you. I want to interview you. I want to let other people know about. Well, we're promoting that. Right. That's, absolutely. That's mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's I the mean, way I look at this it. is the other question: Why do the celebrities even want to interview with us? It promotes them to the fans. It promotes their work to the fans. Even if they aren't on any current shows, it promotes their old work. To the fans and it makes them look good. And you I, a, go, oh, ahead. Right. No, go ahead. And it's, it's okay. different, I think, depending on what the media is. Media celebrities, film, television. It's a different approach in how you approach an interview than it is if you're doing authors, writers. 
we talk we do a lot with mostly writers and, and, and editors, is that we take the approach with the interlocutor for the people who couldn't sit down with them for 20 minutes and just talk to them about their work and what they thought and how they felt mm -hmm. and everything else like that. My first fan experience was at a Unicon, Unicon 2, in, in, at the University of Maryland in a student dorm in the middle of the summer with Sprague DeCamp and Catherine DeCamp sitting in a chair with about six of us around him, and I'd read his stuff forever and ever, and being able to sit there for an hour and a half and just talk to him like a person. And when we started doing what we do, and I'm sure you wouldn't, you, you're basically, you're basically the person, you're there and they can't be, and so for your audience, you're their voice in discussing things with this individual. That brings up another part of what we do, at least in our podcast. I don't know if any of you guys do it, but we knew that we were coming here to interview uh, Kate Vernon and and uh, Mr. Mike Hogan. And, you know, we we solicited questions from our listeners because they can't, as like you said, they cannot be here. And you invite them into the conversation. And let me tell you, there's nothing that makes a listener happier than just hearing a question that they've asked and you ask it. It brings them, it helps build the community. And, you know, one of the things that's difficult when you're a podcaster is, I think even in print, is how do you establish the community? How do you establish a listener base? And if you can develop that community, people love. It's one of the reasons people come to Farpoint. You know, they call it a family con. People come back to see their friends year after year after year. And it's what happens with podcasting. And I'm guessing maybe to some extent with uh, digital magazines. True. It's true. And when I do my interviews, I often ask, how do you, as a celebrity, like the fan feedback? The fans that are there, the fans that are come up to your table, signing that autograph, and they give their feedback because it is promoting them and it's getting them out there. So for podcasting, they want to hear what they see. About, I mean, they're fans listening to you. Absolutely. They're fans reading my stuff. So they want to know, well, how do they react to we fans? So I always get that in. Great responsibility for us yeah. podcasters, that's for sure. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out, too, that you know, often we try to control the situation in which we're, we're doing the interview. I prefer not to do it at a con. But when I was at San Diego last year, I was I, I got to go to the sci-fi uh, interviews. And what they would do is, you know, the stars would come in. There's nothing more fun than talk to a star because they, they, they know you're there for them. And what they would do is they'd have the panel, like, for example, Warehouse 13, they had the panel. Now, of course, you couldn't go and watch the panel. You had to wait in the room. And they had multiple round tables sitting around. And every table had four or five either podcasters or interviewers or something. Mass media. Yeah, and what they would do is they would go from table to table, the stars would. And the one I always remember the best is Saul Rubinek from Warehouse 13. He comes to the table... You know, all of us are, the moment they walk up, the microphones are right up in front of them, you know, so we're recording, you know, speak here, speak here kind of stuff. He started to talk, and he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going, and finally he says in the middle of this, you know, the reason I'm keeping going is because I don't like being asked questions, and off he goes on this other tangent. And we all busted out laughing, and I think when, once that happened, he relaxed a little, and we got to ask a couple of questions, but... Everybody has their own way of doing it, and this was a very different circumstance. Mm -hmm. And you know, you have to be prepared to. You've got to do things on the fly sometimes. You know, this was a very unusual circumstance for me. I'd never done this before, so I was forever. You know, you know, would say that again, would you? <laughs> and the terrible thing was, uh, 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 I talked to the guy uh, Eddie McClintock, who had just come from. Shore I just leave. interviewed him last year. Yeah, he was. He just come from Shoreleave, and you know, everybody was done. He stood up, and I said, you know, you were great at Shoreleave, and. 
he stopped and he looked at me and he said, you were at shore leave? I said, yeah, oh, I love that gun. This, that, the other, other guy. And on and on he went and I just turned the microphone off. See, with me, I keep my stuff rolling, even though on print, I videotape my interviews. So when I ask them to please sign something for me on camera, which makes the the, the print, I'm still rolling video. If they say anything, at least I know I can... I, I won't forget it. it. I learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is a good thing with um, with the genre that the actors are much more in tune with the fact that they have they they have this followed, they have this devoted. There is an interest, and so they come prepared too to tell those stories, to be enthusiastic, uh, because you know they get excited about the the the, the love they're feeling, the the admiration mm-hmm. they're feeling uh, in a whole different way. We had Mara Furlon here last year or oh, two years ago, two years ago and, yeah. and she said to me, I'm so glad to be back at a con because she said, they don't do this for a show like Lost. We don't get this kind of, she said, it's, it's just, it's so nice to be among people that, you know, that remember what you did and love you. Jerry yeah. Farrell said one time out in California, she said, I have to do more of these. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what is, have you had many of the celebrity guests where this was the first experience with the fan base? Oh, yes. Uh, just <laughs> last year we had um, Laurie Holden. Yeah, it was had first never. She, she had Absolutely. done, I think she had yeah. done San Diego with the whole cast. That was the first one and we, she did. And we told her... It's going to be nothing like that. Um, you know, eight hundred people attending, and you're going to be able to chat, and you're going. And she, I mean, she went and, and sat in the con suite for a couple of hours, and and had some munchies, and, and just chatted with people, and and um, yeah, she was cool. that was. We've had several. Uh, Lavar Burton. This con broke in Lavar Burton, his first convention appearance, and um, we were we're very proud of that. Yeah. And he. Um, he was very, he's a very introverted guy, and he was very, very nervous about it. And uh, it, it's, so yeah, we've worked with, with quite a few, and I think it's, it's, it's nice to be able to tell them, hey, no one's going to jump you. No. <laughs> well, we have, we have, we have, we have, they get nervous, they think it could be paparazzi. Right, absolutely. That's what I yeah. say. Yes. Right now, we have, we have five minutes. So yeah, we probably like five, three, so now. three now. <laughs> so I guess, absolutely. And we're going to be, we're going to be right in there with you. Right on. Um, last, last comments. Let's just go down the line here. Any last comments that you feel you want to make about doing celebrity interviews? Um, not really. I, 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 I'll, I'll throw it back at you. Um, favorite celebrity interview? Favorite celebrity interview uh, had to be between Edward James and Kevin Sorbo. Okay. Probably my two favorites. Um, I have a lot of them. Uh, Lee Ehrenberg, two years ago. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we, uh, this we, didn't we didn't ask talk. questions. We didn't ask. It, it, this, this was a real conversation. <laughs> we just got him started, and he, 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 he was super. Um, he, he, we, we just had a, a twenty minute wonderful conversation with yeah, the guy. We, we, we incredible, mm-hmm. nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. My Real. favorite was Scott Snyder because he's the guy who's doing Batman now, and I'm a big Batman fan. And I just it was like heaven. This is what heaven was yeah. like. Yeah. I just we're we're to, almost done, so you can. I just was curious as to you guys, which who do you still want to interview? Well, I, I didn't get to answer. Oh, good. oh good, good. <laughs> let him answer, then we got to wrap Bennett. it up. Hands down, Harv Bennett. Okay. 
Okay. Absolute, yeah. absolute legend. Yeah. Uh, I got to spend about two hours with him. Nice. And and he he uh, just he has so much experience, and uh, that was that was my absolute favorite. Awesome. My first my first interview was Jonathan Frakes, and that was a lot of fun too. He just got married, and I was getting married. Right. And so we sat there and talked about getting married. That's <laughs> awesome. Marriage advice from Jonathan. Not to each other. Definitely. Uh, we considered I, it, but we decided not. The one piece of advice you got to ask. Don't be, don't be afraid to ask. They can always say no. That's really it. Again, thank you for joining us on the panel with us again. It was Steve Wilson. Thank you, thank you. Steve Wilson from Farpoint, Prometheus Radio Theater, and Firebringer Press. Uh, Miles and Scott here, of course, from Sci-Fi Editor Podcast, and Wayne Hall from Sci-Fi Pulse and Wayne's Comics podcast, right? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Comics with Wayne and Dan. Oh, Wayne. Wayne's Comics. When's your interview with, with Jeff Lemire going up? Uh, it's going to go up a week from Monday. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you.